Hey everybody, it's your host Mark Augustinelli, and welcome back to Beers and Careers. Today on the podcast we have Kevin Pellin, and before I get to Kevin's story, I want to remind you that, as always, the podcast is brought to you by the Davis Companies, www.daviscos.com, that's D-A-V-I-S-C-O-S.com. Davis handles all your staffing needs, IT, manufacturing, engineering, and they just launched a new website, which is slick. Check it out. Um... As I mentioned, Kevin Pellin on the podcast today. Uh, Kevin's got an awesome background, uh, Vermonter, uh, through and through, and uh, has his own company that he started, and uh, it's called Raised VT, and we talk a little bit about the Raised VT startup and his path of really getting there and what he's focused on and the skill set that's made him successful. I think also for people that are kind of interested in the pharmaceutical med device world of selling uh, he had a unique perspective into that as well. So I uh, loved having Kevin on. He's a blast to talk to. We probably could have talked for about three hours. And uh, hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Check it out. Welcome to the Beers and Careers podcast, my man. Ah, so great to finally connect with you. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Crack that beer, my man. That's it right there. Uh, local Vermont Heady Topper. So we can't go wrong there and have a conversation. I love it. I love it. We got connected uh, a little while ago, fellow St. Mike's um, alum. And uh, before we dive in uh, to your story, can you maybe start out with some rapid-fire questions just to, uh, to let the audience get to know you a little better? Yeah, absolutely. Go right ahead. Uh, what is your favorite drink cocktail? Is it is it a Heady Topper? Um, I, I do enjoy Heady Topper, but my favorite favorite cocktail of all time it's called a rum runner okay what is a rum runner um, i was introduced uh, i was introduced to a rum runner um on my way to key west at a little place called alan Murata, and that's the original home of the rum runner ah, um and it's awesome. got a little little topping of bacardi so you can't go wrong yeah well the floater that's a banana liqueur and grenadine that's yep. right that's right all right i like it i like it a lot that's that's oh Got me dreaming now of crystal clear blue water and uh, <laughs> and and warm cocktails. Uh, cocktails on warm days is probably a better way of saying it. So and and we should tell people Hetty Topper. You got a couple. Of, uh, well, Kevin is a Vermonter and a, and I'm a guy who loves Vermont. Hetty Topper is a cult classic beer made by the Alchemist, which is is that in Waterbury or Stowe? So it's in it's uh, originally in Waterbury um, and then they moved to Stowe, um, so it is now brewed in Stowe. Awesome. So I wasn't wrong on both accounts, which is no, very, me, very right there. Keeps me in my uh, keeps my sanity. But um, I all I know about Heady Topper is uh, if you're into IPAs, it was like it was like one of the starts of the whole double IPA craze, from what I understand. And people were driving, I mean, crazy distances when I was in college in Vermont just to get themselves a Heady Topper that uh, you get to enjoy by just probably going to at this point your local gas station and picking one up. Yeah, they have that. They have my local gas stations. They they help out a lot of small mom and pop shops uh, to get people there as far as tourists to keep money in the state, which is great. And as a matter of fact, I'm at a new little place called the Red Barn right here in South Burlington that just opened up this summer, and it's like a little rustic place right near Killy Drive. And you know they serve great microbrews, so um, awesome. it's great to see them support our state and especially expand out, you know, farther out for other people to get. That's that's phenomenal. Now, Kevin, what? Um do you have a favorite curse word? I know you're not a you're, you're a little bit more cleaned up than I. Um, I have a couple ones, but I'm not going to repeat. But I always say this in front of my kids. I say, "Son of a cabbage farmer," 
I like so that. I like now that. they start saying that, so the so they get the gist of it, and I don't get in trouble for swearing. So that would be uh, my curse word. Um, and you can read between the lines what I was really thinking when I said it. Yes. No. That that's honestly perfect. Um, do you have a favorite guilty pleasure? Ice cream. Oh, uh, creamies, right? Aren't they creamies where you are? No, no, ice cream. I love Ben and Jerry's. Full on legit um, ice cream. I like it. I like it. Yeah, when I uh, was playing college hockey, before every uh, collegiate game, I couldn't really eat, so I always downed a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. So it's wow. kind of been tradition ever since. Oh man, that's impressive. I I uh, I've been through my fair share of pints as well. I must admit. Um, <laughs> are you are you a quote guy? Do you have a favorite quote by any chance? I do have a favorite quote, and uh, one of them I pass on to my kids and to people that I've ever been in a leadership position for is um, it's nice to be important, but more important to be nice. And I think that carries um, carries volumes for people nowadays. Yes. Um, we can all carry a really big title, but without the without the respect of people around you, the title doesn't matter. I really like that. I really, I really especially in today's day and age, that's, that really uh, that really rings true. Um, what was what was your first job? My first job, like after college or during college? I, I kind of want to know, like, first time you ever got paid for anything. I was a uh, camp counselor at Lotus Lake Camp in Williston. So that okay. was my first job. Very cool. Now, are you born and raised Vermont? Um, I was born, yep. I was born in Barrie, Vermont. And I uh, grew up there. And then I went to school at Plymouth State. Um, left New England to live in California and then, you know, came back here because a lot of my family and friends were here. So, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to leave this place. Uh, just in general, hard to leave New England in general. It, it absolutely is. So you played college hockey. What was the first job after college? Well, I played a little bit of semi-pro that I got paid for, which is, wasn't really, I guess, a job. It was more of a passion and joy. And then uh, I moved out west to California. That- that was out west? No, that was in Quad City, Quad City, Illinois. Oh, very cool. How long did you pursue that for? Um, I played about a year, and then we got traded out to the Arena Renegades. Okay. And then that team went bankrupt. And then my real next job was a bartender in Squaw Valley, Squaw Valley Resort. That was my first job after college. Oh, that is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. The the home of uh, Shane McConkey. Shane McConkey, yeah, and Shane McConkey actually tra- did his training up at Burke Mountain. Oh no way, no way! Because I see, yeah, you, when I looked at your LinkedIn, I see that you spent some time at Volant, which is, I believe, Shane McConkey was sponsored by them back in the day. Yeah, yeah, Shane McConkey exactly was. He changed the uh, changed the landscape of skiing, of skiing for sure. Yes. If you, if you don't know who Shane McConkey is and you're into skiing at all and you're listening to this podcast, th- there's a video or, or a movie. There's something about McConkey um, that I think I saw that actually as a freshman or a sophomore at St. Mike's. And that was probably the first ski movie I was absolutely obsessed with. He he was uh, he was a legend. He is is a legend, uh, but was a great guy. And so, I mean, kind of an aside, but pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool, dude. He certainly is. Certainly, uh, certainly turned a lot of heads, and still today inspires many young generations to want to get out there and enjoy the sport. He does. He absolutely does. So, 
So give give the audience like a uh, you know from from squat to now kind of the reader's digest of how you got to uh, how you got to where you are today. Well, my uh, when I was in college, my undergrad was elementary ed, and I really wanted to pursue um, that career. But um, you know, I, I realized that uh, at home, parents were truly well, not all parents. Some parents were truly invested in doing some of the legwork at home, so I kind of got burned out of it. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine works in pharmaceutical sales, and he said, you know, you're still helping people, you know, and you're educating doctors when you get to see them, and you're still being ed- educated. So why don't you look into the pharmaceutical industry? So then I did that for about, I don't know, six years, worked for Wyeth, worked for Pfizer, worked for Forrest, worked for AstraZeneca. Um, and then I realized the industry and the landscape was changing here in Vermont. So I got into medical devices where I could be with the orthopedic surgeons who are, you know, the carpenters um, that work on all patients. They're just amazing with what they do and knowledgeable. I did that for um, five or six years. And then I realized that as I had kids, it just it just wasn't worth being on call for me and not watching them grow up. And I, you know, quit my job thinking that I'd you know, be able to find one with my master's degree here in Vermont. And that was really difficult, Mark. Mm-hmm. And I started this lifestyle brand, Raise BT, on Instagram because I wanted to capture the future of inspiring people. Um, and that is still my side gig. I started this company and then I applied for jobs. And just recently up to last year before COVID hit, I was a director of sales for a chimney manufacturing company. And then when COVID hit, like many people, unfortunately, um, I was laid off for over a year. And now I work as a northern director for Otis Elevators. And I manage all the state of Vermont of their elevators. Um, not really the path I've, I've visioned for myself, but, um, you know, not working and being unemployed. And I know I reached out to you and you've been great resource and great discussions and open, which is fantastic. Uh, we talk about that for how we get to our career. So kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Before we get into the present day, did you prefer pharma over med device or vice versa? Like talk to me about that. Cause I think there's probably, those are, those are two, massive industries that if people were listening to the podcast um, and they were kicking the tires on what to do next, they might be considering. So I'd love someone's an insider's view to, to both of us. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think first of all, landscape's important where you get into the job as far as pharmaceuticals. Vermont is not very friendly with large corporations and the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. They're just, they're, they're, we're a state that it's made it really difficult. Access has been difficult. Um, so that's one of the reasons that I left pharmaceuticals, but I can tell you this, if, if you're ever looking to get into pharmaceuticals, they have an amazing training program. You're going to learn obviously your products because they want to train you to be able to talk to these physicians who've gone to school for years, but they have a really good growing program and a leadership program. And it talks about how to be a leader, what things to look for, how to pass it down to the next you know, generation. If you become a regional manager or a district manager, so they have some really good training and, and teaching aspects to it. When it came down to the end of the day, um, I found being in orthopedic sales uh, more rewarding because, you know, if I'm out golfing or I'm playing hockey and I know my knees and somebody's, I mean, oh, my knee, I was working with this in somebody's knee or a hip or a shoulder and they're out living their life pain free with activities. Um, I was proud of the fact that I was the one making that happen within the institutions for hospitals. So, mm. you know, I got the best of both worlds there. Oh, that's great. And did, did you, if you were new to, obviously you started in pharma and then went med device. How'd you feel about um, training programs for entry level people into med device from your perspective? 
if you're an entry-level person going into orthopedic sales or any type of sales like that, as far as devices, it's really tough because you have to have credibility. Um, yeah. I came from, you know, seven, eight plus years in the pharma business, and I built relationships around that with primary care and internal medicine. And then when I transitioned over into orthopedic sales, you know, doctors speak to one another, physicians, staff, and credibility. And it helped me because I had that credibility. Um, and as you know, in any industry you're in, if you're good at what you do, you become more in demand. And and luckily, um, I worked hard and I educated myself with the appropriate training and, and was lucky enough to, to help run a territory. Ah, really cool. Really cool. And I know um, where you're at today, you're not, you know, currently in those industries kind of following the passion of Raise VT. But I think what, what I was so impressed by is um, – when, when we first met, was like you were not willing to uh, give any ground when it came to kind of raising uh, your two girls. Two girls, right? You have two daughters? Yeah, Cora, who is eight, and Ryan, who is 10. Yes. Um, I mean, I've only, we've only spent it probably a couple hours now connecting, and, uh, you know, you, you've always kind of referenced them as, as kind of the guiding light for you, which I, which I thought was cool. And I, when I was younger, someone told me, um, you know, you can, you got to, life's all about trade-offs, yada, yada, kind of making your life decisions in terms of how it pertains to your, your occupation. Um, but you don't want to live to work. You, you do want to work to live because you're not going to take it with you when you go. And I feel like when I talked to you and you told me about how you kind of were like, you know, I'm putting this on hold because I want to raise my daughters. I'm going to do what I need to do to make uh, things work. I was impressed by that. I'd love to kind of hear uh, a little bit more like unpacking that decision-making process for you and how you got to like pulling the trigger on that. Cause that's not, those are, those are things that are, uh, you know, on the surface level, it sounds like, Oh yeah, that makes sense that he did that. But it's a lot harder to do, I think, than um, when, when you really think about it, if you were in the same boat. So I'd love to hear how, how, how you got there. Yeah, I'm happy to share that. Um, you know, at the time when, when you know, I established myself and in, 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 in my business with orthopedic and just grew, grew the process of my career, um, at the time I was married and went to an unwanted divorce. And I was like, this is, you know, I'm going to make the decision at the time and I'm going to, you know, be around my family. Unfortunately, things didn't work out on the homestead, um, which was out of my control. But I've always said to myself, we can always bank dollars. You can never bank memories. And I live by that. And I think it's, it was a struggle. I'm not going to lie, Mark. It's a struggle. It's, it's still a struggle. But um, one of the things I tell my kids, I'll give you my love and my time. And I think that's important. And they give up a lot, a lot of things on your own that you do socially and what you want to buy. But it's worth it. And to your, to your remarks, you're like, you know, like you can't take it back, right? You know, whatever you do now, you can't bring back. So knowing they have memories is way more important than knowing that I have a full bank account. And you know, I'm getting back to where I need to be. Um, and the cool thing about it is, is I'm spending time with my kids because you can't take that back. Mm. How, did you, um, did you hem and haw on that decision? Like, was it, was it something that decision. happened on the decision to kind of, kind of just leave your, you left your job without, without having another one, right? You, you, you let go of one monkey bar without your hand firmly on another, correct? Yeah, so so basically, I'm going to tell you the exact day it happened. So I, I, I drove down in West Lebanon, and I had a discussion with the distributor. I'm like, listen, I, I want to make less money. I want to hire somebody else to help me run this territory. 
and the, and the guy that at that time wouldn't do it. And so I, I, I sat down on it and I had like kind of, kind of, you know, like a, wow. All right. Here's, a, here's my choices. Either continue down this path and yeah, have a good dollar amount in my bank or, you know, I'd start a new career and be confident enough that it's going to happen. And so uh, as I walked out the door, I made the phone call on the way back and said, you know what? I'm giving you my notice. You know, best of luck. I appreciate everything you've given to me. But my family at that time was more important. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and lie and tell you I wasn't nervous or sweating doing that. But I felt in my gut that's way more important because that's how my parents brought me up. And I think whether it's right or wrong, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's if people, you know, choose their career, it's great. I'm happy for that, right? I chose to, I chose to find a different lifestyle balance. Um, it's worked in many ways. It's backfired in some ways for me. But, but at the end of the day, I'm spending quality time. Mm. I, I love it, man. I, I love the aspect of betting on yourself. Um, do you like what ways would you share that? Uh, I'd love to hear both. Like how maybe from your perspective, you felt like it's backfired, but also how you you've you're clearly satisfied with the decision, right? You came on the podcast. You and I, when I talk to you, you're an upbeat dude, right? So I'm I'm guessing you got your struggles, but you don't wake up depressed every morning. But I'd love to hear like and what areas it's backfired and maybe. Um, would you, would you have done it differently? And then, and then how it's been, you know, ROI positive for you. Yeah, man, if I had known that, you know, I was, I was going to go through an, uh, an unwanted divorce, I may not have made the decision, right. Financially, right. right? Yes. You know, you can't make someone else's decision. So, you know, unfortunately it's not the norm nowadays. Um, but that's the only thing I probably would change. And uh, I would have probably waited if I knew that was going to happen. So I had a bank to be safe supportive. But I don't think I don't think I would change anything else because I, I, I did. I rolled the dice and, I'm, I, you know, there's a difference between cockiness and confidence. And I feel confident in, in the ability to, to land in the right spot. And, and it may not happen now. Right? And I don't know if I'm in the right spot now working where I'm at Otis, at Otis. But I think I think you can pave your own way. And if you if you pave your own way and believe in what your morals and your values are, at some point it gets paid forward. And mm-hmm. if if it's not paid forward for me, Mark, I'm, I'm certainly going to try to pay it forward for the next generation because they need that. They need that leadership to be like, I recognize what you're doing. I, I commend how you're doing these things and let me help you get to where you need to be. Um, just like you helping me reach out to, you know, the next connection in your, in your network. Like it's always about paying it forward and, and that's unselfishness. And, you know, like you're right. I don't wake up every day and think, Oh, what am I going to do? I wake up every day and be like, all right, great. I'm, I'm happy to, get on my two legs. I'm happy that my dad's 91 years old and I mm. still get to be around them. I'm happy that my parents have been my, my rock. Like those are things that I can pass down to my two girls that hopefully one day they'll pass down to somebody. Right. And I think that really is what makes a difference now considering what's going on, like how you bring yourself each and every day to work or how you bring yourself each and every day to the people around you. Those are the things that will matter in the long run. Mm. Do you, do you find, um, it, I mean, I, I have a six and a four year old. Uh, your kids are older, 10 and eight. What challenges has, have you kind of encountered trying to impart that level of wisdom on a, on a 10 and eight year old? Um, I think the biggest challenge is if you're willing to spend time and invest time in them and be outside and create, imagine, you know, be, 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 be creative with your, their minds, right? I think you're going to be okay. I think where the difficulty comes in is when you start putting them in front of a TV or giving them an iPod or an iPad 
and now they become addicted to that because that's the person teaching them how to become self-sufficient, right? Mm. So luckily for me, um, I, you know, I've, I've, I've done this. We, we, we mountain bike, we hike, we ski, you know, we do all these things. We cook together. We do all these things that, that I want them to learn someday, whether they use it. So I don't think really it's been that difficult. I mean, yeah. I am a, I am a male. So it's a, the hard, the hardest thing for me is, you know, my daughter just turned 10 and, you know, you're going to, she's going to go through developmental stages. Like, you know, for me being a single dad, I'm like, Oh gosh, what am I going to do? But I surrounded myself by such great people and such great moms that they help with that. And that's the, that's the, that's the best part about following your, you know, like earlier on, I said, following your values of who you are. Yeah, no, I love it, man. I love it. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's almost like just lead by example and don't take the easy way out. It's kind of what I heard there. Yeah. I mean, you know, your kids are younger. It's hard. If, if, if parenting is not hard work, then really one of those parents or both those parents are not invested. Mm-hmm. It's hard work and you're tired. That means you're doing your job as a parent, right? You're parenting. <laughs> That's yes. what I tell people. It's it's uh it's it's so true. I uh, you just had me laughing about something I saw on Instagram the other day. I don't know if you follow the dad on Instagram at all. Um, no, I've heard I've seen that though. Yeah, and there was like a funny thing for a um, a new pharmaceutical that came out called Do You Need a, a Fucking Break? It was called APUH. Yeah. Um, and it was like, are you tired all the time? I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. <laughs> so shout out to that. But, uh, no, I, I love it, man. How about – can you share with you how you got inspired to start Raise Vermont, um, what it means to you, and kind of where you see that going? If, if, if you had your druthers, I, I believe it's about five years old. Yeah, I, um, I'd love to share that. So I, I started the Instagram page in 2016, but um, I'll backtrack a little bit. So it's funny as I'm having an awesome Vermont heady topper. So when I left my job and thinking, say, hey, I'm confident enough that I'm going to be able to find another job. So I applied in Vermont and, you know, Vermont's tough for finding people that, you know, have a you know master's degree or trying to switch their career. And no one gave me the, the opportunity, you know, well, you've never marketed or you never sold this or you never did business to business. And I was like, okay, you know, um, F you, right? At the end of the day. So I started the Instagram page, Raise VT, because I wanted to show my kids that anything's possible if you put your mind to it and you work hard. So in 2016, I started Raise VT. Um, and then people organically followed over a thousand followers within, I don't know, a few months. And people asked if we had t shirts. And then I started printing T-shirts with a friend of mine who graduated at, uh, you know, um, at Norwich University, Lou DeMassey, and you might might know Lou DeMassey's dad. Um, I do. I know. I know Mike. Lou well. I know Lou well. Yeah. So yeah. So he helped me. He helped me print my first batch, and they sold like that. And I was like, huh, maybe there's a concept here. And so you know, after a couple of heavy toppers, I was like, let's just go for it. And 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 I started, you know, making other shirts and designs, and I, you know, drew with crayons and had someone digitally design it and then at the time you know my my partner now who's kind of a little bit off hands jeff strawbridge helped me create the squarespace page and hence came to life raise vt and everything we've done so far has been all organic we haven't done any paid marketing we haven't done any promotions um we do collaborations and so it's just for some for some amazing reason people are connecting with you know, the content that, uh, you know, we're writing on LinkedIn, the content we're putting on the pages and just the fact that I think it's a, it's a feel good story for people. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm honored and flattered that I, I have people out there that don't even know wearing products. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, Jesus, like I started this in the back of my car, not to sound like life is good, right? But I started this in the back of my car and now we're getting in retail stores and now we're on e-commerce and, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's just awesome. It's just awesome because people are connecting with the brand. Do you, and what is, um, what's the brand represent for you? I mean, I, like as someone who's, uh, I appreciate the essence of, of Vermont as someone who loves school there and then tries to make my way up there regularly. Like, can you share with with what, like, the goal behind the brand was or and in the beginning and maybe how it's changed throughout um, its evolution? Yeah, so in the beginning, as I mentioned, like, you know, I wanted to show my kids that anything's possible with effort and, you know, and a little bit of luck, right, and, and believe in what you do. Um, but as it's evolved, and I've always said this, it, it doesn't matter where you're born. Right. And it doesn't matter where you raise yourself, whether you're in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Colorado, Rhode Island, and you move to go someplace else. There is some value wherever you were born, raised and brought up that you were brought up with something with your parents. Right. So take something away from that and let others know that you're proud of maybe it's three things, maybe not everything. Right. You know, I think there's something you can take away from your upbringing and some. Yes, some don't have the best upbringing, but you still try to think of the positiveness that you can get out of where you were from. So that's mm. the whole, hopefully big picture of race. Like be proud of your roots and where you're from. Mm. I love it. Huh. Where, what's your goals for the brand? My goals for the brand. I love that. So if we can get a lot of people to listen to this podcast, Mark, I would love an investor to be like, Hey, I love what you're doing. Let mm. me partner up. and Let's get a web page, right. And start launching every other state. And then let's see where this goes. Um, hmm. And if that were to happen, I'd be the luckiest man on earth. And, you know, the big, big picture would be a, be part of an Olympics where every athlete on the back of their jerseys that said raise wherever country they're from. So like hmm. raise USA, raise Canada, you know, raise Italy. That would be awesome. And to be part of that, you know. Hmm. And, and, and with the whole with the whole point of that, your background, uh, although unique, and and not better or worse than anyone else's background, but makes you kind of special and that and that and adds value to the greater community is kind of the sense I get. Um the global community, if you will. Yeah, I mean you know, like I've always been one and you know, you know, I know Andrea's listening and I and you know, she's like, You have a headshot, you have this and I've always I've always been the firm believer that you get more compliments from people giving you compliments and thinking you have your own compliments and you know, if I if it's, I'm, I'm honored to be on your podcast, obviously, right? You know, I've been options to be on others, but for me, at the end of the day, like, what what legacy am I going to leave behind? And if I only leave a legacy for my two girls, you know, that's all that matters to me. Because for me, it's it's how you present yourself in public. It's how you represent your your the name on the back of your jersey, not the front of your logo, right? And mm-hmm. and to hopefully, you know, hopefully inspire people to to want to to want to go above and beyond and, and if it works for one person if i've impacted one person if it doesn't work at all well I, i've lived my value the way the way I, the way i felt appropriate nope that makes that makes a lot of sense do you uh how have like for you uh, an online brand presence right uh apparel company obviously selling shirts and hats but also the instagram page where you generate a lot of followers how how have you noticed just for the marketing creative types that listen how have you noticed the landscape of 
of Instagram and social media and just the way your brand um, has evolved has had to has had to adapt to the changing landscape over the last five years on social? I think the the biggest thing for us growing so awesomely or kind of awesome is not a word mark, right? But I mean, anyway, so awesome with with what we're doing organically is that we don't we don't put pictures of like non non clothing females or non clothing boys, right? That captures these followers. We we promote like genuine genuality. And I think the hardest thing now is that the more likes you get, the more followers you get, or the more impressions you get are based on the values that we don't represent. And, yes. and that takes longer to grow. If, if, if I could, I mean, I'm, I'm, I could share with you numerous direct messages. You never post this. You don't ever do this. And, and it's not because we don't think they're quality people, but we want to represent quality brand. Right. And, and that's where the landscape changes. You know, we're, we're both males and females and, you know, probably look at certain things on Instagram that, you know, you know, obviously that are not appropriate. That's, that's what sells, unfortunately, but I'll never go that avenue because you want to keep it close to home. And by keeping it close to home, you're being true to your value. Mm -hmm. Ah, that makes, that makes sense. So that's been probably the the biggest obstacle you faced is kind of how the algorithms and sense kind of not uh, align with your core values as a brand and as a person. Yeah. Yep, al- algorithms are tough, right? It's the same thing when we talked a few weeks ago, like even applying to HR companies, right? Or even applying to companies that have a HR. Like I have 20 different resumes catered just to get into an interview, right? Mm. So if you don't fall within an al- algorithm in that computer, you're never looked at. Right. With Instagram, right. Facebook, you know, Google Ads, if you don't find that correct Google Ad, which you're paying to try to find it, you could spend thousands of dollars to try to find it but it doesn't mean your brand's still going to sell. Hmm. I, I, uh, it makes, it makes a ton of sense. I, I don't know if maybe this is just being naive or ignorant, but I have a feeling that at some point the pendulum is going to swing the other way. Um, as it pertains to all this kind of stuff, like, you know, the, like, I think we're going to, you know, in my business, um, Actually, in my business, automation and technology are are right there, right? Like, and if you're not using them, yep. you are falling behind. But at the same time, there's still absolutely a place for a person talking to another person, right? It's a I'm in the people business, yep. and so I, I feel like at some point we're gonna reach a saturation point where people are gonna be fed up, right? The same way that anytime I'm in a chat with Delta Airlines or whatever I'm doing, I just type agent, right? Like I want to talk to a person, yep. so. Yep. Do you feel like social Instagram, though, like the way your brand values are there, do you feel like that you're kind of riding out a storm and things will swing back? Or do you think that, no, it's not, but this that's just the way life is and, and I'd rather grow the correct way um, for me? Like, how do you feel about that subject? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it always changes. It's like the market, right, in housing. You know, it goes up, it goes down, you know, gas prices go up, go down. It all dictates what the market does. And it really, really the biggest thing is the next generation, like how, what impacts them and what influences them and what and what what are they going to be invested in in regards to like, you know, sharing their their goals with nonprofits and spending their money that goes to nonprofits. Um, but you brought a good point up. And, and the point that I think is important to remember is that there is a person to person connection. 
maybe not on a thousand dollar deal, maybe not on a two thousand dollar deal, but mm-hmm. if you have a sixty to seventy thousand dollar contract more, I want a handshake. I want to look you in the eyes and I'm be like, hey, you know what, Mark, I want to do business with you because you know what, you went out of your way, you looked me in the eyes, you sat down with me, you explained it to me. I don't want to go through that process through email, right? Because mm-hmm. email email doesn't show emails don't show or show feelings, right? So I think still, no matter what, at some point, it's always going to be still a handshake, not in every industry, right? Not in the tech world, because a lot of tech people are introverted, not everyone, but a lot of people are introverted. And then you have your extroverted salespeople. And at the end of the day, a handshake and the trust and a look in the eye will always go farther than just emails back and forth. Yes. I I, I feel very similar. I just, I feel like at some point, there's going to be an awakening. I don't know how awakening might be too just movie-like, but like, just I feel like there's going to be some level of a revert back to the norm, if you will. Like to the point of like the markets changing that you alluded to from a real estate standpoint. Like I think at some point people crave that human connection because I, and I feel like I'm starting to see it as we've gotten back in the office after COVID. You know, at, in yep. the beginning, it's like no one wants to go back to the office, right? It's like, this is awesome. I'm working from home. I get all my shit done. And then I get to go right home and um, I don't, I have to walk downstairs and I'm with my family for dinner. And I think there, to be honest, yep. I think there's a lot of benefit to that. I think it's really changed perspective and done good for us as an organization. And, and honestly, as a, as a industry and as a, uh, as a country on how we view work, but uh, seeing people back in our office and we, we haven't mandated people come back. We've real, we've really tried to encourage it. Uh, over time here, but it's funny. People come back in, and there's a huge population of people that are like, "This is so much better." I forgot how much I like yep. this. Like, yep. I gotta weave this as part of my day in. And I think the answer is probably some balance. And I think that's 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 probably a good metaphor for how I feel about um, some of the digital age in terms of like, and, and even some of the nuances of what's working on Instagram and how those algorithms are based. I feel like we've, we're, we're probably swung the pendulum really far and the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. And, and I think things will start to come back is how I, I guess I would probably articulate how I feel about some of that stuff, which is why I think like people like you staying the course and staying true to your values. I, I, I tend to think that that wins in the long run and that maybe that's the old soul in me um, or, or just kind of the romantic, what I want to think. But that's how I that's how I generally look at like your brand and things that are not just going with the flow because it's easier and, and better for their wallet. No, you're, I think you're 100 percent correct. Uh, things 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 always fall back to kind of your foundation, right? Where you were brought up and what you were taught. So at the end of the day, if you look at like people coming back to work, and this is just my take, I'm, I could be completely wrong. It's okay if you want to work remote a couple of days a week, but you got to have a hub somewhere. So if you're a large corporation, instead of having like a main office, have hubs in separate places for, for your teams to get together. And the communication for individuals, like they need to interact with people. There are, there are people now that I think love to wear like their masks or love to like be secluded, but they don't know how to interact, right? Now, if you don't know how to interact, here's a perfect example, Mark. You go to a restaurant, you know, they, they don't know how to interact with, a, with an amazing server that is asking questions, right? Because yes. they don't know how to answer those questions because all they do is typically type those questions in or those answers in. So there is something important and there is value, especially if you're home all day, right? Imagine if you're home all day and your your wife's home all day and your kids are home. Like, like it's just like it's a like Groundhog Day. Yes. Like you have to broaden what you're doing 
and expand, but it's okay to adapt, right? Mm-hmm. I would love to have a job where I work Monday through Thursday and every Friday I work remote from 12, um, from, you know, nine to 12, right? Yes. That would be perfect. I'm getting the best of both worlds. We're talking to people, we're interacting, we're communicating, we're throwing stuff on the whiteboard, right? And we're, we're actually collaborating, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, we're evolving back into that because so many things have been built internally by IT people and that's been proven. But again, you still have to have a personality, right? You have to pick up the phone and have a, have a discussion. People can't pick up the phone and have a discussion because they're not sure how to react. And, right. and as, as we continue to evolve back to your point, people are excited because, holy crap, like I can sit in the coffee room and talk to Mark and I'm talking about the Pats game or the Cowboys game and we're, yes. like, we're like bullshitting. That's so cool. Yes. Wow. Nice to be back and talk to people. And see, there's just an excitement there that, that we need back in this world that will help grow the future of a balance. Mm-hmm. And, and I find, uh, for like the nerd in me that wants to be productive, I'm so much more productive when people are bouncing in and out of offices and meeting rooms and stuff like that and be like, Hey, I just had this random thought. What do you think about this? And it's like, it sounds right. really trite and like trivial to say that. Cause it's like, well, what that person would have called you or they would have eventually talked about it. And it's like, yeah, but I can get so much more accomplished talking in real time with someone and letting them feel like they're part of the ecosystem than having to hit the button to call me and then for me to hit the button to answer um, yeah. and, hope, and hoping that the timing works out. I, so I couldn't, here's I couldn't. Here's a funny question. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Here, no, here's no. a funny question. So how, how many people truly work eight hours a day in, a, in, a, in an office desk job? Like what are the, what are the, what does an eight hour day look like in an office? I was, I, yeah, are they working really eight hours? Uh, no, no way. No way. Right. So they're not. So if you take that, I'd rather say, I used to tell my sales team this, I'd rather have you work five to six hours and make quality time, yeah. right, as opposed to quantity time. If you're knocking it out of the park in six hours, as opposed to, like, clocking in for eight hours, knock it out of the park. But if you're yes. just clocking in for eight hours, go home. <laughs> I it's, mean, that's, it's, that's reality, right? It's so it's so true, and it's um, it's funny. Uh, recently, I, 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 don't, I don't say this when I'm training someone. Or, in, or to a large group of people, because I think it's a point that you need to nuance and, and have in a one-on-one conversation. But when I'm coaching people, especially like people earlier in their career, I try to tell them like, look, the job's a lot right now, right? You're, you're, you're not efficient at it and you got to figure it out and it takes you the whole week. But your goal, I say to these people is you should be able to do your job in four days. Because two things, if you think about it, if you look at all the holidays and the vacation time we give you, eventually you pretty much only work four days a week when you look at the whole year. Yeah. In a row. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, secondly, when you do work those five day weeks, I think you want to think about what would I do? How could I improve my job if I spent one day of it working on things that were fun or that were experimental? And I, and I think that keeps the job fun, but also keeps your skills sharp and you engaged in the business. So I'm like, yeah, I think you should technically be here five days or, or give or show up for five days, right? Bring your lunch pail five days. If that fifth day is at home, whatever. That's not my point. My point is get the work done in four days. Front load your week and have fun with the rest of it um, because you're going to learn more about yourself and you learn more about what you're doing. And so I think you're saying the exact same thing. It's like when you ask the question, yep. how many hours do people work in an actual day? I smile ear to ear because it's like, yeah, that's – True. You really don't. You don't. That's old school. That's like 
60s thinking to a degree. Yep. Work smart. That's all I say. Work smart. Work smart and, 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 and build in time to have fun. And I think obviously everyone starts in the first year. You're, you know, you don't even know your ass from your elbow. But as you figure things out, I think it's a good guiding light for people to be focused on. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree, man. You know what else I was going to say? I think travel. I think travel, which is which is a you know obviously a hot button this year. I've been actually on a plane quite a bit the last month or two, and and it's going to continue to be. But I find that um, as I'm traveling again, uh, and I can't wait to get out of the country and travel internationally. You know, God forbid yep. we get to do that again. I think when you start to do that and you're not tethered to your phone, and you're having a, you know I'm an, I'm clearly an extroverted salesperson, but when I'm having a conversation with the waiter or waitress or the bartender, you start to appreciate the little moments that make up the day. I think that is also going to, when people start to travel, even if they're in a company that works a hundred percent remotely, they're going to start to crave office interaction. So I, that's why I think there is kind of a balance towards the middle. We just, you know, I don't think there's a, I don't think the vast majority of the population is out there experiencing it yet. No, and you're right. You know, things will shift again and just takes time and, Again, it goes back to your leadership skill and other leaders to, to help groom the next generation. Like, this isn't really normal. Like, everything's not on your computer every day, right? You know, yes. business isn't done on emails. Business isn't done on texting. Like, there are physical communications you need to have in order to, make, you know, make sales go go through or, or build relationships. It's, it's, it's something that will need to be taught, right, at the end of the day for our younger generation. Amen. Amen. Um Kevin, man, it's been awesome having you on. Do you, anything else you'd want to share while while you get the time? I, I think I think if you are listening and you're someone who is uh, into building, helping someone build a brand, uh, I think Kevin's someone ripe to reach out and network with. Whether you guys end up working or gals end up working together or not, I'd, I'd let that rip. So I'd, I'd selfishly plug Raised VT and, and your career path again. But anything else you'd want to add? I just want to say thank you guys for having me on and making this work. Obviously, it'd be great to, it would have been great to connect with you here in Vermont for a beer. Yes. But, um, you know, this is my first podcast. And, and Mark, uh, you know, to be honest, I, I've turned down a few. And um, because of your just communication and support, I wanted to do it. Um, I'm glad where I'm at. I'll be 50 April 1st next year. And, you know, I hope to, you know, continue, you know, my goal is being a leader, whether whether I impact one or 50 people. And then, then make change. And, and if I'm lucky enough and someone does hear this podcast and they love the brand raised and the concept of what we do, and then, then it's a win for everybody, not just me, for the people that are proud of where they're from. Um, and before I ever end anything, I always want to say, I'll say that to, to my two girls, Ryan and Cora, I love you so much. And if you ever hear this one day, don't ever forget that. So thanks for having me on Mark. Uh, well, well said, Kevin, pleasure having you on. I will, uh, I'm, Bummed I didn't get up to Vermont this fall. I usually make it up for alumni weekend up there, but uh, I think I'll certainly try to get up next year. And the next time I'm there, I'm looking forward to a heady topper, my man. Yeah, well, if we're lucky, we can do maybe another podcast if this one's successful uh, over a beer live. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I, li- I like that a lot. I think that's a, and we'll get an update on raised and and how we're how things are progressing. Yeah, man. Thanks so much, and thanks, Andrea. I know you're listening, but you're on mute, so. I appreciate all the communication back and forth via email. Awesome. Hey, Kevin, have an awesome uh, day and enjoy the time with the fam, my man. Cheers. Take care.